Hello, welcome to Praying the Word of God. My name is Tay and I'm here to pray through the Word of God with you. I hope this message finds you well. I pray you're in good spirits and you're ready to sit with me in this moment to give a little time towards seeking God's face through devotion and prayer. Today I want to revisit the life of Gideon. The last time we were on the topic, I felt like there was more that needed to be said about this story. You know, so many things were ringing in my heart concerning Gideon and the people of Israel. When I first spoke on the topic, I focused on how God used Gideon, who was a fearful, ill-prepared man, to overcome Israel's great oppressor, who were the Midianites at the time. After God heard the cry of his people asking for help, God used Gideon and his pint-sized army to display his great omnipotence and his love for his people. Now, we can glean many, many things from this story. For example, from this story, we can learn that God is willing to hear and answer his people when we cry out, with broken and contrite hearts. But if we continue studying, we also learn that Gideon may have succeeded as Israel's war hero and judge, but he kind of failed as Israel's forebear and predecessor because he did not give his people sustainable victory. And I'm only pointing this out because there's something that we can learn from this failure. You know, at first I thought that Gideon didn't understand why the children of Israel were being oppressed by their enemy because he asked the angel, why is this happening? And then I remembered that after they cried out to God for help, God actually sent a prophet to remind all of them why they were in the position they were in. The prophet let them know that the reason they were being tormented and oppressed by the enemy was because they insisted on worshiping and serving another God, even after God brought them out of bondage and rescued them from the Egyptians. Then shortly after the prophet explained to the Israelites the error of their ways, he directed Gideon to tear down the idol that got them into trouble in the first place. You see, not only was Gideon responsible for removing the idol that led the Israelites back into bondage, but I believe he was also responsible for preparing the way for whomever would precede him. Now, I know that Gideon refused to rule over the people and insisted that the Lord rule over them. He pointed the people back to God, which was a noble thing. However, since Gideon was called to lead in Israelites in the Israelites' um, victory, I believe he had a responsibility to at least invest time into teaching the people how to maintain the victory that they suffered so greatly to have. Now, this is critical to the story because the job of any kind of leader whether you're leading as a husband or a a father, a mother, a governor, a minister, whatever. 
But the job of any kind of leader includes preparing and setting up those who look to you for sustainable success. And I know it's easy for us to sit back and judge the Israelites because as we study their life, (laughs) I don't know about you, but for me, it's so frustrating to see them getting into one big mess after the other over basically the same issue. But most of us are no different. We run into trouble that we bring ourselves into sometimes, not all the time. But the times that we get ourselves into trouble, you know, and then it gets too overwhelming for us. We cry to God for help. We ask him to hurry and rescue us. But we pay little attention to what got us into trouble in the first place. And as I read through the end of Gideon's life, I was actually frustrated with him because he left Israel with no plan to remain victorious. There was no warning, no reminder or anything. And he understand that he didn't want to be Israel's leader. And he wanted them to look to God instead. But whether he wanted to receive it or not, he was seen by the people as their civil ruler to remind them of where they had fallen and what was needed to stay away from potential defeats. But instead, he had a different desire. He requested that all the golden earrings they plundered from their enemy be made into an ephod, which is which is like a... a a garment that uh, high priests wore. It's a sacred garment. And he wanted it to be placed in his hometown. Now, you'd think that after coming out of something so traumatic, Gideon would have at least put something in place that would have encouraged his people to learn from their faulty ways. But he chose to keep up the remembrance of the victory by an ephod. Now, I'm not clear on what Gideon's motive was behind requesting an ephod to be made. But the Bible says that this same ephod became a trap for Gideon and his household. And all of Israel, once again, prostituted themselves by using this ephod as an object of worship. Now, there was still peace in the land while Gideon was alive. But as soon as he died, scripture says, quote, that the Israelites again played the prostitute with the Baals and made Baal Bereth their God. And the Israelites did not remember the Lord their God, who had rescued them from the hand of all their enemies on every side nor did they show kindness to the family of Gideon in return for all the good that he had done for Israel. Because the Israelites went back to idol worshiping and forgot about God's goodness, let's just say things got really bad really quick. Because right after Gideon's death, one of his sons Abimelech 
sought to rule over the Israelites by persuading his mother's family. And then he hired some ruthless men to help kill all of his brothers in a public execution. I did not make this up. Serious family drama, right? And you know, from here, this evil brother, Abimelech, he reigned and his evil reigned and increased. And therefore, the Israelites suffered. And their suffering just intensified while he was ruling. And, you know, we can look at the Israelites and we can think, how foolish are these people? They just never learned the error of their ways. You know, I don't know about you, but I've actually been in situations where I've had to beg God to deliver me but only to find myself right back in the place I begged God to get me out of. You know, because I was so distracted by the intensity of my trials, I think I paid little attention to what got me into it in the first place. And not only have I seen this attitude in my personal life, but I've seen it in families, cultures, communities, Generation after generation. You know, I think we do a good job of talking about our victories when God brings us out of something or when we are victorious over something. We even create holidays and special events marking the battles we won. And you know what? In a few months, the United States will be celebrating 244 years of being an independent country. And, you know, we're going to have our great big fireworks. We're going to go to our parades and wear our classic red, white, and blue colors to show pride in our great nation. And this month, we as believers will be celebrating Easter, commemorating the great victory we have over sin and death through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. But after those days are over, how many of us will personally keep in mind all the bloodshed that it took for us to be free? And furthermore, how many of us live with a daily conviction towards preserving our personal victories and the freedom of those that will come after us? You know, with all that's going on in our world today, I believe it's urgent for God's people to look back over our history and start remembering the high, high prices that were paid to, to sustain the victory and the victories we have today. And then start seeking God on gaining the wisdom that we need on how to sustain our victory. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for rescuing me and those before me from all past troubles. Thank you for bringing me out of the dark places of my life. 
Thank you for bringing my forefathers out of the dark places of their lives. When I look back over history, I see that you've always been a hiding place for my people. And when they sought you with their whole heart, you preserved them from all that troubled them. Please help me to remember all the times you delivered me and those before me. And help me to understand why we need deliverance. May I never again forget the victories you brought to my life and may I sustain them by your grace and your mercy. I know that you deliver the needy when they call and the poor and to those who have no helper. I know that you have pity on the weak and the needy and you save the lives of all who call on you. You save them from oppression and violence and you redeem their lives because their lives are still precious to you. Father, I am in need of your help and your salvation. Please rescue me from all that seeks to keep me bound. Let me never forget your goodness and your loving kindness towards me. And may I remember to teach with conviction your loving kindness to those who will come after me. In Jesus' name, amen. It's worth noting that although Gideon failed to remind his people of what God did for them, and he also failed to warn them of what could happen if they went back to their old ways. But there was someone from his household who rose up and told the people what needed to be said. You see, Abimelech, he he killed all of his brothers so he could rule as king. But there was one brother who was able to hide himself. And at the appointed time, his younger brother Midian spoke up and reminded the people of all God had done for them while warning them of their demise for returning to their idol worshiping. Following his evil brother and allowing innocent blood to be shed. So like Gideon, I pray that God helps us to speak up and to remind others of who God is and what he's done without wavering. And I don't want to assume that everyone who tunes into this podcast has a relationship with Christ or has already received salvation through Jesus Christ. So for those who may be listening but are not followers of Christ, or you used to consider yourself a follower, but you feel like you've kind of fallen away from the truth, but you're now ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're like the prodigal son and simply ready to come back home, please pray with me. Dear God, 
I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. Your word teaches us that in order to be saved, we must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then me and my household will be saved. I may not fully know or understand what all this means, but all I know is that I'm ready to give my life and my heart to something bigger and greater than me. So I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to draw closer to you in every way while on this journey called life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to listen to more prayers, you know they're available on all major podcasting platforms entitled Praying the Word of God. You can find it on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio, Public, and Stitcher. If you know someone who will be encouraged by these prayers, simply share it. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Praying the Word of God. And for questions, comments, or personal prayer requests, you can email me at prayingthewordofgod2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy. Enjoy.